0: Our new podcast sponsor is BarkBox.com forward slash happy. Let me tell you how happy I am about BarkBox. A lot of, you know, we have a puppy named Walter and he gets into everything. If he is not entertained, BarkBox delivers a monthly subscription of three to four toys and treats to our home every month. And the best part is they tested them all on their own pets. So you know they're the best. And right now, my listeners get a free box with every six month subscription. Just head over to barkbox.com forward slash happy. Hopefully you'll be happy too. Hi, I'm Michaela, a psychotherapist. Hi, I'm Savannah, not a psychotherapist. Welcome to our podcast, Be You, Find Happy. Real life conversations about life and the pursuit of happiness. Today, I got to sit with Cece from Little Hurricane Band, and aside from the fact that us reconnecting in the way that we did was incredibly synchronistic, she is a super inspirational woman. Not only is she a drummer, which is so awesome in a man's drumming world, but she also carried her child during their entire tour in her belly. She was pregnant for the entire time, and she would walk out on stage up until 40 weeks, and busted out on her drum kit. She is really amazing and she's had such an incredible journey through the music industry and such an inspirational message in the way of staying true to who you are and being your authentic self in spite of the pressures from everyone around you and really just defining who you are in the way that feels right. And I can't wait for you to hear her perspective. And she's our first musician, like real life musician on the podcast. So awesome. The music in this episode was provided by Little Hurricane. We chat about her song called Give Em Hell. Here you go. I always have to turn Savannah up and me down. (laughs) And it's such a pain in post that I'm sure you deal with that sometimes. Tell me a little
1: bit about who you are. Okay. So I go by Cece. I am the drummer in the band Little Hurricane. And I'm also a mom. Yes. Yes. And um,
0: I want to talk in the future, like as we get going, about your new album that's coming out. Yes. But I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't at least reflect on like synchronicity and how crazy it is that you're sitting in front of me right now (laughs) in the room with me. So I'm going to share the story for people because it's just totally crazy to me. I don't think we've even really talked about it aside from in the workshop. Yeah. So my brother-in-law, Dan, he's a big music guy. And so he's like, we've got to go see this band, Little Hurricane. They're going to be playing in um, Orangevale. At the boardwalk so we go to your concert and he was like she's so awesome and this and that and um, there was a starting band and you were hanging out in the like just you know sitting at a table or whatever and I was like Dan Dan I'm like oh and I'm like there she is you know and he's like, shut up just don't don't say anything <laughs> kind of a thing And I went up and talked to you because you guys were from San Diego. And I had recently moved up from San Diego. So um, I think I just mentioned like, oh, whereabouts in San Diego? Have you guys played and blah, blah, blah. I used to have this all girl band and we played at a couple of the same places that you guys have played at. And so fast forward now, all these years later, Matt and I started listening to you guys because you were awesome. (laughs) I mean, so freaking good. Like... Once, and so he's drug us to quite a few different, you know, shows, and they've all been very good, but when you, I was like, holy shit, she's the drummer. I mean, it was amazing. (laughs) I could not believe it, and just your talent, and Anthony, and his talent, too. I mean, he was playing, like, seven different instruments. I mean, your sound was so full for just being the two of you, and you guys were having such a good
1: time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I remember that show for a few reasons. I remember the reason I wasn't in the green room when I was hanging out was the green room was covered in ants. Oh, I <laughs> hate And as I was sitting there, I'm like, there's ants all over me. Oh, no. Um, but it was a fun show. I think it was an all-ages show. So I remember some younger kids being there. And yeah. then another random side note I remember from that show, a guy had come up to me before the show, and he was like, oh, Cece, you really lost some weight, huh? And I'm like, what? Because I've been a pretty consistent weight, And he's like, you used to be like this you know making his hands look big and now you're like this and I was like what and so I called him out on stage and dedicated our song bad business to him like this is to the guy who was commenting on my weight like this is so not your business man yeah um but it was a fun show you know I think that was the last show we've played in the Sacramento area it's been a long time since we've played out here Wow.
0: I And it was such a great show. So where did you guys go after that? Where did your journey take you guys? Like,
1: um, You know, on that particular tour, I'm sure we probably went up to Pacific Northwest because mm-hmm. that's usually the routing. Um, and we put out a few new records since then. And we've gotten married and, you know, settled down and we've left San Diego, sadly. Um, But we never were really consistently in San Diego because we tour so often. Mm -hmm. So it would be like a combination of we'd, you know, like when we first met, we had our apartments and when we went on our very first tour, we sold all of our belongings. Like I sold my bed. I sold all my shoes. I sold everything. We sold everything we owned and packed it up into a trailer and said, we're going to go on tour, which was kind of unheard of because we didn't even know what that meant. We right. just knew like, we'd done well <laughs> in San Diego and it's time to bring it on the road. And since then, so that was in 2010, at the mm-hmm. end of 2010. So we've been on the road pretty consistently the past nine years. Wow. Um, and just writing new records and we, we just keep doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I read, and I think it was like a Rolling
0: Stone article or something like that, um, was that you guys you guys were putting the music first. You didn't want to make it about your relationship. You guys yeah. were all about the sound and what you were going on there, but everybody was constantly asking you guys, are you dating? How? What was that like, especially being in the music industry where...
1: Well, you know, when we first started working with management, we had like managers be like, "You absolutely cannot tell anyone that you're a couple," which is really silly looking back. Um, I think we were a little more green then and guided by what they were saying. And I mean, we had one manager that wanted to make it look like I was dating a baseball player, and like uh-huh. just, which uh-huh. is really silly because it's not about that really. If if we're together, what does that change the music? But it was kind of fun. We had this like secret undercover relationship that people didn't know about. <laughs> (laughs) And we'd go out and tour, and I'd I'd meet girls in the audience that would be like, oh, he's so cute. Your guitar player's so cute. I'd be like, go talk to him, you know, Uh like send him his way. And it was kind of fun for a few years that, like, it was our little secret and that we could really focus on the music. And during interviews, if people asked about that, we would just simply brush it off and go back to, like, our new record. But after a while, it's like, this is really silly. Our families were getting annoyed because they wanted to, like, post pictures on Facebook at Christmas when we're all together (laughs) and we'd be like no you know it's a secret um and so we didn't actually go public with our relationship till after we were married um and most people kind of already knew you know like um but it's just part of our story and I think it's kind of a fun part because we were able to do that and still stay faithful to each other and it's you know and it's our relationship is different. That We work together. We live together. We are together. When we tour together, it's like there is no time apart. Um, And that kind of gave us almost a little bit of space where it shows we could be separate and not feel like, you know, if he's talking to a girl or I'm talking to a guy, we know that that's just like it's part of what we do.
0: (laughs) Wow. There's so many things that are coming to my mind as you're talking about that because I I know from um, living in San Diego and having friends that were you know, in the music industry and things like that, it was really taboo be, to have a relationship and because they wanted to promote it as single so that you would get more listeners or, or they have
1: some sex appeal or, or something. Right, yeah,
0: yeah, and it was, and that's definitely like this Hollywood thing that was big for a long time. And I've even noticed more recently on Instagram, some of the big influencers and stuff they're doing acro yoga together. Or, you know, their whole thing, their hashtag van life is traveling in a van together. And now it doesn't seem to be so taboo. It seems people are saying, no, you're not going to tell me how to live my life. I want to be authentic to who I am. Um, And you were authentic to who you were. But how did that impact how you guys were on stage? Did you have to... like? Were there times when you wanted to be more flirty or huggy or something like that? And you had to kind of... Well,
1: no, I don't think we really changed on stage. We'll connect. We look at each other and laugh if we make a mistake. Or, you know, like certain songs will be written about me or written about us. And nobody really knew that. But I think watching the show, people could always sense that there was a chemistry. Mm-hmm. And it is more authentic to just be honest. Yeah. You know, and to be who you are. And I don't think we ever were not. Like, we didn't obviously have me dating a baseball player. Right, right, right. completely right. outrageous. And right. our friends and family knew. Um, and then it was really fun when we got to tell all of our fans, too. Like, oh, by the way, we just got married. <laughs> and, and you waited until you were married, which is, that's really special that you guys did it that way. Yeah.
0: How was, what was it like when you went on the tour? I mean, and then you were suddenly thrown into full time together, working together constantly. How, what was that oh. like? It was
1: really, for me, it was really challenging at first. Um, I was more introverted back then I really didn't like like I would be the kind of person that would be like the last to come to a party and the first to leave or I wouldn't (sighs) like um spend the night like if you drink too much you know I'd find a way home like I wouldn't want to just like crash on someone's couch right right but the first tour that we did was you know I had sold my car and so that helped finance it but we had thought we had We thought we were doing this thing called a slow tour, is what we called it. So we did so well in San Diego over, like, six months that we're like, well, if we spend, like, a month in Seattle and a month in Portland and we just Mm -hmm. play, like, a bunch of shows and we can build it up to, like, a mini San Diego and then Mm -hmm. go to the next town and, like, we had this whole idea of enjoying the town while we were there Mm -hmm. and, like, creating this following, like, kind of slowly... And I knew nothing that there was, you know, radius clause. So if you go to Seattle and you book a show, well, they're not going to want you to play another show within 30 days of that show. Oh, wow. Because, you know, then that would take away from the show that you're playing. And I didn't also know that you can do really great in one town and try and go to a new town, and they're going to say, well, you haven't played here. Like, it's going to be really hard to get a show. Right. So it was was more challenging than we thought in that way. Um, And it was... It was hard, but it was really... It was still my favorite tour. When I look back, like, I mean, we'd stay... We, we finally set the standard that we wanted to stay in hotels with only indoor hallways because, <laughs> you know, and then there was points where we were just crashing on someone's couch for, like, a week, and, like, what we ended up doing, we went up to Portland and Seattle, and we rented a, a music recording studio during the week, like a 9 to 5, when all the other bands were working, so we got it super cheap, and we recorded our record on the road, and... We used our time that way, and we ended up, we did, like, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, and we'd saved all our money to go down to a music festival in Austin called South by Southwest, which is, um, it's the biggest music festival in the U.S. because there's, like, tens of thousands of bands playing in Austin all at the same time. And Austin is
0: just kind of notorious for being a music hub. Yeah. Even more than, like, Nashville, or I think.
1: Yeah, and this particular festival, all of the music industry comes down to see, to find the new bands, you know, mm-hmm. and so we had thought like, well, if we can get ourselves to South by Southwest, mm-hmm. then, you know, we, we can really, we can make it, and we got ourselves there, and I was doing our booking, and I, we got denied by the festival, we oh. were not allowed to play their official shows, Oh no! Uh, and so I booked us, I think, four or five shows over the week that we were there and i had never been to austin i did not realize that those shows were not in the heart of the city and that (laughs) nobody leaves the heart of the city like you know they're going where they can walk because every bookstore every bar every coffee shop has a band playing so Mm -hmm. you're not going to leave sixth street essentially um and it was it was hard it, like i felt like the smallest fish in the biggest possible sea there was bands with like full camera crews following them oh, around wow. and like You know, like people just putting headphones on your head as you're walking down the street being like, listen to this record. Everybody's trying to like get this opportunity. And at the time, gas was over $5 a gallon. Mm -hmm. It was like it took all of our money. We had exhausted all our funds just to get there. And we have this footage of me crying in our trailer. I'm drinking like a McCullin 12, like this old (laughs) bottle of scotch. Like, we're paying our dues. And it was right before a show that we had played in a taco shop for when we started playing, there was a lady and her crying baby. Um, they left, and then there was no, <laughs> oh, no one, and then the sound guy came. And so then there was one guy, oh. and then a couple of my friends came. Um, but that, going there, we ended up, We all our friends were there from San Diego. They're like, let's just go party and drink. There's all these free parties. And we're like, no, we're like out of money. We're not going to just give up. So we went to Kinko's and we printed these little flyers with our shows and we burned a bunch of CDs and I went down on 6th Street where, you know, everybody was. I had this captain's hat on and handing out CDs and just handing out our flyers and we ended up in a witch witch for lunch and I see these guys with a full itinerary and they look like industry guys. And so I walk up to them like, hi, I'm in a band called Little Hurricane and you probably won't make it to our shows, but at least look us up. We have some videos online and look us up and you know we left there with our heads hung solo like what are we going to do now and a month later i got a call from a record label in new york and he said i'm looking at your flyer you handed it to our radio promotions guy and (sighs) we want to fly you to new york for a showcase and we flew to new york we played with of monsters and men it was their very first u.s show they were brand new then we played for a huge record label and you know, from there, we got our attorney. We got our manager. When Before we had even gotten on the plane ride home, we got an offer from Austin City Limits um, from my dream agent that I had wanted. I'd been writing for months. And she's like, I just heard of you guys from the showcase that you played. And so Whoa. it worked out. Like <laughs>
0: It all started to unfold. As you're telling the story, I'm getting chills just thinking about one, your passion, it's like radiating off of you for what you do. And then second, the fact that you just didn't give up, you guys kept going. I mean, hearing you say gas was $5 a gallon and we had no money and we're out, you know, I'm just like feeling that sense of loss that you must have felt like I can bury my head in the sand and just call it. But you didn't do that. You guys still just dug and found a way. And I mean, those flyers are ultimately that Kinko's flyer is ultimately what got you there and what a journey to get to that space to have the courage to just go walk up to a guy at a sandwich shop (laughs) and be like listen to us please you know that I mean I think for so many people they see people doing it they see people that have achieved the level of success and you think oh they look at them that's so easy they made it but they probably didn't they probably had a very long journey that started with a lot of letdown.
1: yeah well, and that flyer was one of hundreds that we handed out. And, you know, eight years later, we're still, like, fighting. We're still, you yeah. know, trying to be heard. And, you know, like, we after that, we did have, like, a full, like, month and a half where we didn't pay for a lunch or dinner because we had all these managers and record labels just, like, descending upon us that wow. everyone wanted to sign us. And we we thought, oh, wow. And then you think, oh, this is it. This is, like, the big opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um but for us, it it really was, I mean, it was part of the story and we're still climbing, but it wasn't this huge, it was a huge shift that we decided, well, now we can, but this is our job. Like, we can make money. We can do it this way. Yeah. But the kind of record label deals we were offered were stuff where we'd have to sign away rights to our music for mm-hmm. eternity in mm-hmm. perpetuity, and mm-hmm. we wouldn't do it. And I think because we were young but not that young and we were green but not that green Mm -hmm. like um we could have maybe picked an easier path towards fame but not in my mind success Mm -hmm. um so now however many years later we own all our records um we do a lot on our own but i think we're much more successful because we're not our kids are going to be the ones that inherit our music and mm-hmm. our songs and our catalog. And we've maintained control, but it's not, um... It hasn't been the easiest path.
0: <laughs> you know what's interesting, though, when you're saying that, I think about people who probably took the easier path and and sold out, quote-unquote. And what's sad about that is that then who they are gets redefined as well mm-hmm. in, the, in the light of the label or whatever. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but... Um, but I think that you lose some of of your identity in that process, like you're describing. It might have gotten us to fame faster, but at what cost? At yeah. what loss? And um, I think that's incredible that you guys are still so raw and still who you are. One of the one of the comments that I read. Oh, and this was Rolling Stones. They said you were a bewitching beauty, <laughs> and and I totally agree with that. Like you just have this super. Um, Bohemian spirit about you, and oh, and I, love, I that. love that no record label defined you into like a pop star or a whatever yeah. they might have wanted to shift you into, and you still are getting to radiate who you are.
1: Yeah, because we might not be a band anymore if we had gone that route. You know, right, right. We've been able to like most bands don't last this long, right? Uh, especially new bands. um So I'm really proud of our path that we're on but it's scary it's definitely yeah. scary but mm-hmm. that makes it exciting you know so you could have had a one hit wonder
0: or whatever and then petered out where here you've continued well, on the slow incline slow <laughs> yeah so what is that um so what does that look like for you? oh you know what before we go on that path i want i want to ask you about this because um, so you toured the country, you did Lollapalooza, yeah. and one of the things that you kind of talked about is that one of the only songs, and maybe now you have more, that you sing on is Give Them Hell. Yeah. And you, in kind of light of being introverted and stuff, you, you didn't want to hear your voice and you didn't want to sing. How, how did you overcome that? What was all,
1: how, how are you doing that? Um, it's it's still a challenge and I still sing on some songs, you know, I've sung on a few more, but, um, it's hard. As a drummer, I tend to hold my breath when I play, which is the opposite of a good singer. And I was trained as a drummer from a kid on. I didn't play the piano, unfortunately, or different things where I would have a sense of pitch. Um, but it's just a matter of like, this is my voice and it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, my husband loves it and people hear me sing say it's okay and you know it's it's definitely I feel like you're most vulnerable when you're singing at least I feel most vulnerable to be you know like trying to project my voice into a microphone and then it gets projected into huge speakers for like like a lollapalooza (laughs) like thousands of people it gets magnified and I just wanted to keep it so small because I felt so insecure about it but that made it sound worse you know, um, just trying and just, like, pushing through that is better than trying to, like, somehow secretly hide it. Like, for a while, I would try and hide, like, just sing really quiet or shy away from the mic or... But, the you know, it's my voice. It is what it is and love it or hate it. Like, I've got to just accept that it's, it's part of me. <laughs> it's interesting to me how many
0: people squash their voice in so many ways. I know even for me, when I'm out of alignment with my true self, it's because I'm not speaking my truth. I mean, I know that's not singing, but you know, that withholding because of fear or, um, that you're afraid of how it's going to be received or judged or, or whatever. And, and, um, even the podcast has been a big learning curve for me on just say it. And if somebody gets pissed off, oh, well, you know, (laughs) kind of thing.
1: How did you, how did you overcome it? How did you push through it? Uh, I think like listening to yourself on recordings helps. Um, you know, I think just with the more I did it, the more it's like, well, I'm just going to keep doing it. And i you know, I don't know if I fully overcome it yet. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's part of what we do. So I just, I feel like I kind of, I have to do it. And I've always wanted people to be like, you should sing more instead of like, you should sing less. (laughs) And so we just keep it like, you know, it's, it's not like constantly there because my husband has such a beautiful voice and he's, he played or sung choir in high school. And, you know, he works as an audio engineer and very much understands pitch and tune. And when we first started recording, I would get in the vocal booth and he'd be like, well, you're, you're a little flat, so try and sing higher. And I would just like raise my body higher. Like, is this helping? <laughs> is like, <it? laughs> yeah. and inevitably I'd end up in tears every time because I'm like, yeah. I'm just, I don't know how to do it. Um, but i found what's really helped me more than anything in recently is I understand notes. I understand a scale. I'm like, when I play the drums, for me, Uh, I wish that I could say it just, like, radiates out of my soul and I've just got this rhythm, but I don't. I need to map it out on paper and write out the beats. Uh, written into music form wow and if I can write my vocal parts in music form even though I don't know what those notes are when they're landing on the scale I can see where this one's higher than this one and this one's lower and that's how my mind works in order to understand like okay this is how the melody goes because Mm -hmm. if I just hear it I can't repeat it but if I can see it and visualize it that helps me tremendously yeah
0: yeah and he does have such a great voice, too. He he must be such a great mentor and a, and a great coach. Yeah. You guys seem to make a really good team.
1: Yeah, we balance each other out. For all my lack of experience I had starting the band, he had a tremendous amount of experience. Like I, When we had met, I had posted an ad on Craigslist, and I was looking for a guitar player, and I put this little video of me drumming, and I got a bunch of really creepy, weird responses. I bet. I, I didn't <laughs> respond to any of them. I'm like, whatever. And he wrote again, and... He, my ad was kind of over the top. That I'm looking for someone to be in a duo with, and like that they, they have to have sex appeal. I want panties thrown on stage. Like <laughs> you got to be good, you know. And then in his second response, he had said like. Christina Aguilera kissed me on the cheek, and Gwen Stefani, I don't know, like with all these pop stars that he'd work with. And I did not believe him at all for a second. I was like, whatever. <laughs> and so I wrote him back like, okay, we'll come into this bar where I'm working and we'll, we'll see if you're telling the truth. And he was telling the truth. He's recorded a lot of really, really big artists and helped them tune their vocals. Wow. And um, he worked for the Grammys for many years recording the live stream of the audio and so he was an audio
0: engineer before he joined the band yes wow
1: that's what he did in san diego Okay, so yeah he worked out of la a lot but yeah he would do like the big tv productions Mm -hmm. or he did the coachella film when coachella had a film or working Mm -hmm. in the audio trucks that are recording live audio so he was really great at that and i had no idea like And even when he told me that, I was like, "But how do you pay your bills? He's like, that's how I pay my bills. I'm like, people don't, like, make money off of music. Like, you're lying. But um, I found out pretty quickly he was telling the truth. And he's a pretty humble guy. So for him to say all that stuff, he was just really like, come on. Like, I've got some experience. And um, it worked out because he thought I had an energy that was really fresh that, like, I wasn't like weathered and kind of just put off by the industry which i wasn't because i didn't know how it worked i'm a little more that way now right but uh it it was a good balance where he kind of had experience knowing how things really work behind the scenes and i had none so it it like somehow it, it worked many years. I went to culinary school oh, wow. and um, it was the wrong fit for me. I think I cooked for a total of seven or eight years in oh. Chicago and San Diego um, and i had finally gotten laid off from a cooking job in San Diego and I, I, that was it. I was like I'm not gonna go back to another kitchen because I just didn't, for me, the environment was all wrong. Like mm. I hated working in kitchens. <laughs> just, yeah. I love to cook but it's a very hard job and it's high stress and not a lot of women. And not a lot of gratitude and not a lot, it's just not, for me, it always felt like I was working in a locker room, like just with a bunch of dudes talking about their sweaty balls. And like, I just, (laughs) I would get mad and I would butt heads with a chef Mm -hmm. and I'd leave with my middle fingers up, like, F this place. I'm not, I'm done. And then I just go to the like restaurant down the street for another $10 an hour. Um, And I had gotten laid off from the Ivy Hotel in San Diego, which at the time was like, the biggest, fanciest, most expensive yep. hotel. Yeah, and I was making, I think, $14 an hour, and mm-hmm. I was one of the top paid cooks, so they let me wow. go. And it was the best wow. thing that could happen, because yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to not do that anymore. And so I went and I bartended, um, because I just didn't, I didn't know, I knew that bartenders made a lot more money than cooks. Mm-hmm. And so I went to bartending school, and I got a job in North Park, and then that was what held me, and that... From that job, I was able to afford my electronic drum kit, which I had bought um, to play at home just to see if I could still play. And then from there, I posted the ad. So Because you just... played as
0: a kid. Yeah, I played
1: in school band.
0: What age did you start drumming?
1: I was 10. Wow, Okay. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. What a neat journey. My husband always says he wants to be a chef. Like, he's a really good cook, but he blows up a kitchen. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you would be fired. Like, <laughs> you make such a mess. He's like, no, I would have sous chefs and, you know, yeah. cleaners. And It's I'm like, many oh, years okay.
1: till you get to the mm-hmm. sous chef, but you do have dishwashers. I do the same thing. My parents would hate when I cook at home because there's no dishwasher to come and grab your pots and pans. And I just make a mess.
0: Literally um, a tornado. Like, I don't know how he does it. There's flour <laughs> in places that I should not have flour. <laughs> but he's really good. He, he's an incredible, incredible chef, incredible cook. And um, I think, I sometimes think someday he'll probably have a restaurant.
1: Like, I yeah. think ultimately he's, that would well, be Well, nowadays it's different. Like, they didn't have food trucks back when I was right, cooking. Right. But they're so cool because you can start a business for $50,000 and not have just that overhead of running yeah. a restaurant, yeah. and so I'm glad there wasn't food trucks because I may have gone that route because I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to work for myself. Yeah. Um, but I knew that I didn't want to run a restaurant because right. it's really tough.
0: I don't think yeah I don't think my husband would deal with the people very well. Like, and he's a good people person, but I think if he was getting a lot of complaints and stuff, he probably would. He he he's about the food. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wants to make good food. He probably wouldn't deal well with that that stuff too. But um, he does run a business, and he does very well with that, but he doesn't have to deal with the general public, and that's a whole different
1: ballgame. <laughs> yeah, well, and everything's a liability. The uh-huh. food could hurt somebody, yep. your yeah. staff could be being sexually harassed. Right, you know, like right. It's it's a lot of pressure and very little profit margin. Yeah, um, yeah. It's tough. I, and the, the people that I cooked with and went to culinary school with now are finally getting their executive chef jobs and getting oh, the, wow. like, you know – the recognition that like I had always felt like, oh, God, this is just like I'm cooking all day and you only really get feedback when you make a mistake. You right. could do two hundred right. plates right and that's you just you did your job. It's no the one's one where be the like, chicken was overcooked. Yeah, and then you get about. yelled at and then it's like, This isn't this isn't worth it. Right. But there's this massive juxtaposition for me now where like when I go to work, people like clap every five minutes. Right. Like it's crazy. Like I will never like it will never be lost on me. I will never take it for granted that like, wow, I'm I, after I play, can play for an hour, people are coming up and like wanting an autograph or shaking my hand. And like, that's yeah. amazing. Like so many people deserve that.
0: What in their a job. Cool thing that
1: yeah. that is. I never
0: thought about it like that, but you're so right. You know, that kind of gratitude and Um, I, I do try to leave like positive Yelp reviews for just that reason, (laughs) you know, if somebody does a great job, I try to like put it up on the Yelp or whatever. It makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in talking about, um, kind of reflecting back on Lollapalooza being such a big venue and stuff, how do you deal with stage fright? Is that a thing you have anymore or do you not really get that anymore? Um, doing it so long now?
1: Well, Lollapalooza was interesting because we had played the, so I'm from Chicago. We had never played in Chicago before. And we had played the day before at Lollapalooza on the kids' stage. And um, we're not a kids' band. Our record was called Home Wrecker. You know, like, we're kind of like a (laughs) dirty blues, like, in-your-face band. And they're like, whatever, just play your your normal set. And, like, the guy before us playing had, like, everyone be on your surfboard, and you're a shark right now, and all these movements, (laughs) and it was all for kids. And then we just get up there, and we, we play our set, and we had a horrible review. Um, that night just tearing us apart and they said my husband looked like a gap model on stage and that like my drumming was no good and I woke up just completely losing my mind like now we're about to play on the real stage and you know like it's gonna be horrible yeah it's gonna be awful but you know it's just a matter of like I can do this like Mm -hmm. like I've always had this saying in my head, like jump, jump and believe you'll grow wings. Mm. And like, I still have to tell myself that, but like, I'm just going to, it's like, I'm just jumping in the water. And the next day we had like a most amazing set and it was perfect. And like, it had rained all morning. So I'm like, this is great. No one's going to be there. Like, no one will be there. It'll be perfect. <laughs> You're going into it thinking,
0: like, no one's going to hear me. I, yeah, it'll be, it'll it'll be, be fine. We won't have
1: anybody. And then, like, the, the clouds cleared, and we ended up on a stage for a band that had canceled last minute, so we were on a much bigger stage than we expected at oh a much my. better time slot. Oh, wow. And it was, it was great. And after that, like, you know, I'm going to make mistakes on stage. I'm going to feel dumb here and there or say something I regret or do something wrong, but, like, if you laugh and you smile and you have fun through it, like people will sense that and nobody's really going to judge you that hard. Like they don't, they're not as hard as the critic from the kid stage.
0: (laughs) Well, and the funny thing is like, I think that, um, you probably notice your mistakes a little bit more than anybody else would, you know? And, um, it's interesting when you were talking about even like your voice, how, how much, um, it's acceptable now to just—I mean, even if you sing terrible, it's okay. Like YouTube successives have come from these people that are terrible, like yeah. by industry standards. But they're—they're they're being them, they're doing them, and it works out. I saw this one girl, and I'm forgetting her—her um, her last name now. But she was on SNL, and she sings. Um, oh gosh, what is that song? It'll come to me, but. Um, leave the lights on I'll leave the lights on that okay I'm forgetting yeah. her name but anyway and she was so out of pitch and so off tune but she was dancing on the stage and just feeling it and having a great time and I'm like she is awesome yeah but the but the reviews the next day it was it was kind of rude I was kind of shocked at how critical people were because I yeah. saw it as like man she's just having a great time this is the best day of her life right now you know yeah Um, so that balance between, yeah, people are judgy. They are, you know, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting, like you said, juxtaposition when you do have these critical people, but then you also have these super loving people and play for them and yeah. yeah, And finding that space and that way to just focus on that. I imagine that's really hard sometimes.
1: Yeah, well, it's right. It's not the critic who counts. (laughs) I mean, that quote I think about constantly. And the really, it's about the music and about the fans. Mm -hmm. And you know, your fans aren't going to judge you if you have a bad night. Like they're still going to come back. And you know, the industry might, but they can't do it. If they could do it, if the guy writing the you know the review the next day could do it, then he would be. But he can't. So it's easier to sit back and judge. Yeah. But they don't really matter. And I think on that same hand, like, what we always try and say is like, yeah, you might go on, like, I don't go on our YouTube at all. I don't read the comments. (laughs) But um, if I have or when I have in the past, it's like either people hate me and think I'm horrible or they love me and think I'm way better than I am.
0: (laughs) So you can't trust either end. Like,
1: neither end is true. So what's the point? Like, I'm not going to let those people saying that I'm so great let it go to my head, but I'm also not going to let the people who say I suck and should go back and take drum lessons like, oh well. Define you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that's true even for people who maybe aren't, who are listening to this podcast who aren't even, you know, musicians or whatever, kind of finding that space in between what people say that sing your praises and people like your mom (laughs) and people that are really hard on you and are are judging you. And it's, it's super hard for me. I know we have a YouTube that's a fishing channel Mm -hmm. and I've edited videos to be funny and cute. And then some guys are like, why the hell did you bring your wife on your boat? That's your problem. You know, but then you have people that are like, that's so cool that your wife sleeps on your boat with you, you know, that you take her fishing. So I've seen that, but, the funniest story that we have. So I had an all-girl band I mentioned to you. What was the name? Sky. Sky? <laughs> we okay. Sky and what did you play? Girls. Bass. I played bass. Okay. And um, so I started in the Bay Area and I, when Craigslist was just for bands and put together this all-girl band. And I was kind of also shocked by none of you can be dating or you're not going to have a successful album because you need to be, a, you know, Available. appealing to. Yeah. yeah. All that. We, we went through. Jumped jumped all those hoops, and and I kind of got disgusted by the whole, this is what you need to look like, and this is what you need to, to wear, and this is how you need to be, but we were getting some pretty big shows. We opened for Smash Mouth. Oh, and nice. It was pretty big. It was a, it was like a festival in a park, and um, I think it was the nature of Smash Mouth's fans because it was an awesome show, and we had a killer time, and everyone was clapping and cheering. It was just a ton of fun. And then um, we ended up at this festival in Hollister, which was a motorcycle rally. And that was not really our <laughs> fan base, like not our style of music. At that yeah. point we were pretty poppy, like poppy-rocky. And um, so we were like, well, we're gonna have to do some covers because that, you know, this audience is not necessarily, we'll mix them in. Yeah, and so we chose to do "Sweet Home Alabama," and you know that guitar riff is so identifiable. (laughs) So we started it, and the whole crowd was like, (laughs) "Woo!" And then my guitar player fucked it up. Oh no! Like just she just got nervous and lost it, and I swear it was like crickets. And then people were like. (gasps) <gasps> oh, and it was like, oh, that just sucks. So, but we it, it didn't get us down. We kept yeah. going. But um, it's interesting that dynamic. It really is, and and how either people love you or they hate you. And... Yeah, it could turn on a dime. <laughs> <laughs> really, it can. And that was one case where you know I say most people aren't listening. They don't pick up on the little things here and there. But. They definitely Mayored. picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, we were just laughing, and we're like, you know what, let's just go drink some beer and have a good time, and yeah, and it, and it ended up being a fun day and a learning experience, but man, it was
1: rough. It makes for good stories. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, for sure,
0: in hindsight. Yeah. Um, but we did have some groupies that followed us all over, and it was... Oh, that's awesome. I was like, wow, it's crazy to think they like us that much, you know? I don't even realize that we're that cool, <laughs> Um and I still think we were we looking back I'm like oh my god what were we doing because we were trying to like fit into that mold you know and yeah. if we had just been who we were we probably would have had a lot more success than trying to fit that stereotype
1: yeah well it's hard where you can look everywhere and be like well that's successful and so maybe that's Maybe that's why they're successful, you know. Right. But usually the most successful people are the people that are just, they're doing their thing. They're the most authentic and they mm-hmm. create the new sound. Or Yeah. You know.
0: So that was one of the things that I, that I noted on here was how you guys have stayed so true to who you are and your style is so different and so neat. And I don't even know, I mean, you described it kind of bluesy, but you almost have like this 70s vibe, too, or like a 60s, 70s vibe with the
1: retro feel? I mean, what, how do you describe you to... I mean, that makes sense. We grew up, both of us grew up on our parents' music, so like a lot of like the Beatles and Bob Dylan and um, James Taylor, so I definitely tend to listen to that kind of music. Mm -hmm. We call it dirty blues, Yeah, you know, and we have like our last record, we put a kind of different song on there that we had a record label, and they picked that as the single, and people... The internet tours apart like they've changed they've changed their sound which is really hard when you've been a band for a long time if you explore and experiment sometimes people want to say well you're different now um but you have to evolve Mm
0: -hmm. but we've kind
1: of stuck true to like you know like the grimy slide guitar and like really crunchy guitar tones and Uh we are just drums and guitar so it's gonna be pretty raw um but yeah we call it dirty blues but like we just submitted our record we put it in the alternative rock category because you know some people hear the word blues, and they think that you're going to sound like this like 12-bar blues oh, sure. band, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of times that's where we end up with our wrong crowd. When we end up like on the bluesy blues festivals, right. we played a blues cruise once, which was um, was older crowd, right. a much older crowd. <laughs> and they were like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah, they yeah. were not the, they yeah. weren't, most of them weren't up by the time we were playing at 10 p.m., but um, you know... I'd like to think that we'd fit more in like an alternative or indie rock category yeah, but yeah. music just keeps evolving and changing and over the course of our career it's gotten very electronic for a while and very mm-hmm. poppy and we tend to do better like in Europe um, where they still want that like kind of Americana or rock uh-huh. sound yeah. but it, it comes and goes and waves so we never know like well maybe with this record it will be the one that like can take off mainstream in the US. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. cuz we we have our fan base but it's it's not we're not mainstream. There's more people who haven't heard of us than have heard of us.
0: Yeah, I love your vintage sound. It's it's like like you said like a grungy blues or something yeah. like that and I love that sound. It's really great. It's awesome. Thank you. Do you have a
1: favorite song? Oh man. Well, I mean, give him hell. That one was one of my favorites cuz yeah. that's one where I wrote a lot of the lyrics. Yeah. Um, I definitely have some favorite songs off our upcoming album. So our new record's called Love Luck. So that will be our first single, and that's my favorite one so far.
0: On the whole
1: EP or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, <laughs> the, <laughs> the title track. So um, And how and how when does it come out your new album? August 9th. No oh, one knows that yet. We haven't announced it to the public, but here it goes. All oh, this night. <laughs> oh no! Is that okay? No, that's I can awesome. leave it out. <laughs> no, it's totally
0: fine. Wow! So that's coming up really soon. So what is it going to look like for you guys when it when it goes out and launches? What's that going to What's that going to look like?
1: Um, we're doing a very very West Coast focused tour this time. Normally we tour the entire United States and um, most of Europe. But for now, we're just focusing on the West Coast. So we're focusing on our favorite markets and markets that are easy to get to because now that we're parents, um, it's a lot harder. I'm not going to drag our kid to, you know, like the the last record our tour started in New York. Um, so you're driving for four days just to get to the first show and then you're working your way all the way across the country. Mm-hmm. And we're just not going to be doing that this time around. So we will hopefully get to New York and Chicago on this Tour, but mostly we're focusing, you know, San Diego, Portland, Seattle, LA, San Francisco, West Coast, and it makes sense for us. So, there's a couple things that are coming up
0: that I want to make sure that I hit on before we have to go, and that is um, that you were pregnant during your entire tour, right? You were drumming pregnant up until like
1: nine months. What was that like? Talk about that. It was amazing. It was, I think, the most magical experience. I think pregnant women are magical. Um, I think that there's like there's a baby in there you know like I was afraid that like people would come up and want to touch my belly and by the end I'm like somebody touch this there's like a child in (laughs) here like come rub this thing it's moving um it was really cool like most people don't expect me to play the drums anyway but when you show up pregnant they really don't expect you to like be playing, especially the right. drums. They think you're um, just a groupie or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> nobody thinks you're there to be performing. And so I like that element of surprise. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that my son could be on stage with us throughout. You know, we did 12 countries. We did 60 shows. We really toured hard. And it was, like, there were days where I we'd finish playing and I couldn't, I couldn't walk straight in the hotel room. I bet. Um, I bet. You had to lay down. It was down. hard. Yeah. But... Honestly, like playing playing the drums invigorates me and it makes me so happy inside that like I think that that's the best thing you can do for your baby is like be sending all those good feeling chemicals and yeah. energy to him and you know I, I went to multiple doctors before getting pregnant and made sure that his hearing wouldn't be affected that he wouldn't oh, right. be startled by the noise. Um sure. I wear my my in-ear monitors. So instead of the speakers being pointed at me, it's all in headphones. So it's, it's much quieter on stage than it is in the audience. And it was, it was awesome. Like I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: That's such an
1: inspiration to
0: so many women who, you know, it's easy. I think when you're pregnant to kind of roll into that, Oh, I'm pregnant. I can't do anything. Yeah. I'm just, my life's right. over for this nine months. And, and here you are going, no, I, I, I'm inviting, he's coming into our world and, yeah. and we're going to take him along for the journey. And we always did that with our son too. Although my mom said that Tucker was safer out of the womb than in the womb. <laughs> I, so many things happened while I was pregnant. But um, we did that same thing. We're like, no, you're you're coming into our world. You're going to be on a fishing boat 40 miles off sea, you know, up, yeah. off the coast. And, and he's such a go anywhere kid now. It's awesome because of that.
1: So how did he kick a lot like when you were playing I mean yeah he would well he would the funny part is so we'd normally play at 10 p.m every night and on the nights that we weren't playing then he'd be like kicking at 10 p.m like I'm here you know and (laughs) little drummer in there yeah and he (laughs) loves drumming he loves music he loves a dance so it's really like it's pretty awesome like I think that it helped create hopefully the person that he will be and yeah um, I wanted to like print up a map of all those countries we toured and on his 18th birthday like you're going back by yourself now kid like here's oh, a backpack wow. and you've got to go and recreate the tour but just go and do it for fun so wow. but who knows he could want to be like an accountant or something right? and be like I just want to be in a quiet environment but he seems like it's it's created like a not high energy because he's pretty mellow but like he loves music yeah
0: And so you guys are going to take him along. What's his name? Rocco. And you're going to take him along on the tour.
1: He will come to some of the tour dates. We are doing it where he won't have to make the incredibly long drives, but he's coming with us to Montana. He's already, I think, flown two dozen times. Wow. So he's a year and a half, and we've brought him to shows in Vegas and D.C. and Arizona and Colorado. And he stays backstage in the green room? Yeah, he'll stay in the green room, or if we bring family and it's late, he'll go and go to sleep, because he still has his schedule, but, um... He's been able to see a few shows, and we show him music videos, and he knows that's mom and dad. And and so will it be um, pretty big venues, or will they be more intimate venues? So this tour is pretty small venues. We're trying, to, like I said, to focus on this West Coast and hopefully sell out the whole tour, and then next year come back and do the same thing, and, and then really build through the internet, because conventional touring is so wasteful. Yeah. It's wasteful with gas. It's wasteful with energy. Like if you see a band that's from the West Coast and you're seeing them on the East Coast, it's like... you sing them for 90 minutes and you're not realizing the like months of planning it took and then like the just how much waste there is to get there and um so we're trying to focus more with we've created a lot of new videos and a lot Mm -hmm. of new content for the internet so hopefully that will spread
0: and so how we kind of reconnected is so wild to me (laughs) i mean just synchronicity in general in life I, i feel like you have to listen to it when it happens but you came to my january workshop yeah and for You Find Happy, and I knew I you looked familiar. But it's a small town, and I thought, oh, you know, I've seen her out and about or whatever. And then when you came back in April for the next workshop, and it was more work-oriented, and you talked about what you did, and it just immediately, I knew you were the drummer for Little Hork, and I just knew. It. And that's why I said, you know what? What is the name of the band? <laughs> and it's, I was like, I knew it! Right then, I just knew it. And so... um you know, a lot of people, I called everybody after that workshop. I'm like, you'll never believe it was in my workshop. So, um, but what was crazy to me is that you guys wound up up here. Yeah. How did that happen? How did, what, how did you
1: decide to leave San Diego? Well, we had gone on that tour, you know, and we had left San Diego a few years prior trying to move closer to Santa Cruz. Um, which is where my husband's family lives. Mm-hmm. And then while I was pregnant, we were touring. And we lived in Tahoe for a while um, in between. Because mm-hmm. we always want to live somewhere beautiful and scenic. And San Diego is, like, the most beautiful and scenic. Mm-hmm. But Tahoe is, a, is pretty great. And while I was pregnant, we toured all the way. So my son was born in October. And by September, we're like, okay, we need a place to live. We're going like, to need somewhere to settle. now. Sell, yeah. uh, we're about to have this baby. And so we found a house up here, which you know, this is kind of like a little pocket where it's super affordable and we were Mm -hmm. able to get two and a half acres and have enough space where we can record at home because that would be the problem living in San Diego to have a kid and we record at home. So you can't be in like a cute little craftsman house in North Park like we'd love to be because the neighbors are going to Just be, you know, like, super frustrated if you're recording all day. Sure. So we found the space out here, and it was close enough to Santa Cruz, because Santa Cruz is just crazy expensive right now. Sure. Um, And we actually found the house right before we left for Europe, and we put an offer in, and we signed all the papers while we were in Europe. And came back, and we moved right in right before he was born, so... So that was pretty synchronistic, too, then. It all yeah. worked out. We found a house that we could move into. Because, you know, you look at houses, and our budget was pretty limited, and most of them need a new foundation or a new roof, and you need yeah. tons of work. And we found this cute little house on two and a half acres that we could just move right in, and it was wow. perfect. So, it's... And so then you guys had to buy a bed.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a...
1: And a chair and yeah. a couch. And... All the stuff we need, yeah.
0: And so what? what do you... I mean, do you enjoy both? Do you like being home, or do you you enjoy more being on the road and that kind of lifestyle?
1: Um, I love being on the road, but I would not trade, like, kid time for stage time Mm -hmm. at any point. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the greatest benefit to having this job is my son is 18 months old, and we've been able to both stay home with him. You know, we've been touring. You know, I think we did, like, 25 dates last year, so it's not that much compared to if I had to go work a 9-to-5 and leave him and like we love being parents and Mm. uh, you know it's a scary step to make like okay you know we're musicians and like through that we've gotten some of them gotten rid of some have been dropped but from we don't have a record label we don't have an agent we don't have a manager we have a UK agent but we don't have all of the same things that we've had with the last three or four releases that we've done. We've had a whole team of people and you put out a record and you get a big advance from the record label Mm -hmm. and they they fund all the marketing and publicity and Mm -hmm. this time it's very different. We're borrowing against our life insurance and we're doing it through our own record label and we're doing it exactly how we want. And um, it's definitely not traditional in this industry to just be like, we're gonna... You know, the last manager we had, we said we wanna fund our own record instead of sign with the record label. And he literally laughed and said, I would never let you do that. Wow. But we're a small business. And like any other small business, we we need inventory. And in order to get that inventory, we have to take out a small loan. And we, we think that it will pay off. So... Wow. I am so excited for you guys. I'm excited too.
0: So Danny, my brother-in-law is coming down with his girlfriend on August 17th. Can oh. we
1: announce that? Oh yeah. True. Okay. On
0: August 17th to Marcos. Marcos. In Paloma.
1: That's a great little local venue. It <laughs> is. And
0: I feel so like honored that you're going to be playing in this town. And I, and I know it's going to be packed because I have been singing your guys' praises oh, awesome. for like weeks. Yeah. Um, but we're really excited to hear your new album and support you guys And oh, thank you. I just think you're such an inspiration like everything that you guys have done and your journey to get here and how you've really stayed true to who you guys are and I mean that's that's really powerful message that definitely needs to be heard. And
1: I'm so glad that you shared it today. Oh, thank podcast. you. I'm, I'm really inspired by you. And like, after I did the first workshop, I was like, wow, the like instructor was really cool. Like, would it be weird to be like, can we be friends? <laughs> but like, everybody wants your attention because they're all there to like get some sort of help, you know? And then so I was glad that you like knew about the band and we could do this because yeah, the workshops are really helpful. Uh,
0: no, it's it,
1: thank you. I
0: have a feeling that it's gonna go big for. You guys, I do, and I think what's really awesome is that I don't think you guys are gonna be a bit different. I think you're, (laughs) you're just gonna be who you are, and that's so awesome. Like, I can't wait for that for you guys. I hope so,
1: and even if that doesn't happen, it's still like following my dreams has been the best, like, life story I could have ever written. So, I'm happy where it is. But those kind of stories are great to hear because everyone plays those shows yeah. where there's hardly anyone there. Yeah. And you kind of tell yourself, like, well, for those people that are there one day, they're going <laughs> to go and say, I saw them in front of nobody. And, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's great to hear those kind of stories. Yeah, for sure. And then if all else fails, we
0: definitely need another restaurant up here. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you could do that. That's true. So, much. so, thank you so much for yeah. being on the podcast. Thank and you for having I'm me. I'm so stoked. And we can't wait to.
1: Hear you guys on the yeah show. that'll be fun at marcos it's a it's a different kind of show like we have to bring our own sound system and you know like it'll be it's fun
0: this has been a bu find happy podcast
1: da, 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 da.
0: <laughs> for more inspiration check out our links oh, bye 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 guys.